Bibles, turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 2. And welcome again to all of our family and friends that this may not be home for you, but we are glad that you are here. Not the visitors, but if you brought somebody with you today, we're not going to make them stand or anything. You know, might give away a free dinner for two to Carabas. But uh, if you brought someone or someone's with you, just wave your hand at me this morning. Wow, would y'all give them a hand this morning? Thank y'all for being here. Stand with me one more time for the reading of God's Word, Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 1. You'll have a short sermon this morning. For those of you who are guests, it doesn't have to be eternal to be eternal. Just thought I'd tell you. <laughs> and you hath God quickened, which means He gave life. Those who are believers, who are born again. Who were once dead in their trespasses and sins. And in your former life, in times past, you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. Which means we lived according to what we wanted to do, we did it. Where we wanted to go, we went. And because of this living by the flesh, we were by nature the children of wrath. But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, say that with me, dead in sins, he quickened us, he gave us life together with Christ, for by grace are you saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we who have been born again, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And let me read these two verses. They'll probably be on your screen. And if not, you can just listen. This is John 3, 3. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, except he be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. And if you would pray for me as I pray for myself this morning. Lord, I truly do sense your glory this morning. I sense your anointing for this day. And I want you to know that I don't rely on any strength or ability or communicative style or story or preparation, nothing. I lean upon you, O oh Lord, and I'm asking you to do what only you can do. Don't let me mess today up, O oh Lord. Let the word of God, your word, go forth with such clarity and with such power that it would find the deepest places in our heart and soul and bring us to life. Let it happen today, Lord. Let there be life today. 
Let there be forgiveness today. Let there be regeneration today. Let the stony heart be made flesh. And may the blind eyes be opened. For your glory's sake I pray and I submit myself to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. When you read a verse that says, And you who were dead, dead in your trespasses and sin, dead. It was not our sin that killed us. It was the death in us that produced the sin. Well, Brother John, I'm not, I'm not dead. Well, just, just, just hear me. There's parts of us, there's, there's really three parts to us. I am a spirit. I have a body. I, I live in a body and I have a soul. A soul. I am a spirit. I live in a body and I have a soul. When you hit me with a stick, that hurts my physical body. My physical body relates to the earth. My soul relates to people. You can hurt my feelings with words or uh, ingratitude or opposition. So my flesh interacts with the world. You know how you get up and you go and walk to the refrigerator. You've done it a hundred times at night. You know what's there and what's not there. But you go past the refrigerator and you're going to get something out of the den and you split your toe on the coffee table. Y'all don't know what that is. That's when your big toe and the second toe goes like that. And if there's any curse in you in that moment, it's coming out. That, my body, it wasn't my soul or my spirit. The world connected and communicated with my body. Now that's going to hurt. Okay. So the body connects to the world. The soul connects to one another. My spirit connects to God. That's why God can say to Adam and Eve, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Well, they ate. They realized they were naked. They clothed themselves. They didn't die, but they died. Their connectivity, their perceptivity to God died. They could still connect one with another. Adam and Eve, of course, had a family, uh, populated the earth. They could connect with the world. They could uh, engage in horticulture and do all of these things. But their spirit man, as far as it was as a being, died. That's what it means by dead and trespasses and sin. So that answers the question. That's how I could have fun partying in the world. Or I could satisfy myself through sex or drugs or alcohol or possessions or position or status or notoriety or popularity. My soul can interact with you and I can be up or down based upon your interaction with me. My body, which is fastly declining, and any of you that are middle-aged, you understand what I'm saying. What don't hurt, don't work. My body, I, I forgot who it was because I, I hated them so bad the Lord blocked it out of my mind. Uh, I put one picture on Facebook of my glory days. One. Shirtless. Six pack before there were six packs, baby. There was no such thing. And somebody, I forgot who it was. I hope it wasn't one of my daughters because the older daughters, I would, I would despise them now. I for, the Lord blotted it out. They said, who is that? I said, that's me. You know what they did just this fast? Uh-uh. <laughs> one day, many years ago, it was a Y. Now it's an H. Just got you an H working. I got an H working. 
So you see the difference. The body, the body begins to disintegrate where before Adam and Eve would have lived forever. So the evidence, the evidence of the spiritual death is the diminishing physical life. So Adam's sin was passed on to us. When Adam sinned, the separation from God happened. His spirit died. So when he had a child, his spirit was dead. So I'm driving home this point. Very simple message this morning. I want you to see our condition. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. You were born a sinner. The sin genome, if you will. You know, when you go to the doctor, the first thing they want to know is, who's your mom and daddy? Are they living? Did any of them have these sicknesses? Because generally, they can trace physically, not specifically, but generally they can trace elements passed down in the natural realm. Well, so it was in the spiritual realm. By one man, sin entered the world, by Adam. I'm going to kick him in the shins when I get to heaven, just as hard as I can kick him. There'll be grace there for that. And by his sin, death came and he passed it on. He passed it on. And in the same way, you know how on the wonderful side, how your children will have a physical part of you. Like you'll see mama's eyes, you know, or, or I happen to have my dad's forehead. Thank you very much, daddy. He could show a film projector on it. I, you know, I knew early on, I said, you know, one size fits all. That's a lie. The hat just sits right up on the top. Like this and sticks up. Some of that, it's a struggle for some of us. You know how those little things in the back have those little snaps? Mine would just go like that. But my dad had that. My dad had a very pronounced forehead. He was ruggedly handsome, too, by the way. Uh, now, you don't get everything that they had. I always prayed, you know, Ke Kelly and I, if we were to have biological children, I said, let them look like her, oh Lord. And don't let a girl look like me, Jesus, whatever you do. I'm like Esau, the Edomite, you know, just sprouting hair everywhere. And you have some girl, this is Olga. <laughs> the Norwegian princess. <laughs> so I've drove home the idea through absurdities in my own pain. I hope it brought you joy. We pass on genetic markers to our children. Part of the DNA of the parents is in the child. But the dead spirit came full force. And without Christ, you are dead. Well, no, I'm not. I'm no, you, you can still do this. And you can still split your toe on the table. But there is no communication with God. And the world is filled with religion that lets you approach God as you are, but dead people cannot approach God. Dead people. Dead in our trespasses and sins. This is our current condition. It's unmistakable. I told you it's generational. It's terminal. And it's incurable. And the evidence of your dead spirit is the life that it produces. Even when you try to do right. Paul said, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I wind up doing. So there must be a law working in my body that makes me do the things that I don't want to do. The works of the flesh, are, these are some of them. There are, are diverse lust, sexual immorality in all its different forms, uh, excess, uh, pride, envy, malice, aggression, 
If you don't believe the sin genome is passed on and the dead spirit's passed on, put a bunch of two-year-olds in a sandbox. Let's say put five in there with two toys. It's there. And it offends. See, the, the gospel message is not just that Jesus died, but that you're dead. And that's what offends. That's why Christianity is hated so. Is, uh, the Jewish religion is hated because there is one God and His name one. And the Christian faith is hated and despised because you are hopeless. You are helpless. Man creates religions and says, Come this way. Take these steps. Ride this 10 speed. Hold these beads. Light this candle. Come on, come on. Dead people can't help themselves. There's no approach. There's dead people don't, they don't know that they're dead. And it offends the mind when I say, your spirit is dead and you are separated from God. But the fact remains that we are dead in sin and our sin has separated us from God. Well, it's like this. Let's say that sin was like spiritual AIDS. Okay? So let's say you have AIDS. We'll look physical and spiritual. And you have AIDS. And you say, well, I'm going to build houses for Habitat for Humanity. You still have AIDS. I'm going to be a good daddy. You still have AIDS. I'm going to go to church. You still have AIDS. What about the AIDS? What about the AIDS? What about the disease? So spiritually speaking, when we're dead unto God, you can do all the religious exercises you want. You can be baptized every Sunday. It doesn't change. Well, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm praying. You have AIDS. You have spiritual AIDS. The sentence, the death sentence. There's no mistaking it. And that's why, this is why, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few find it because they are offended at the idea that they are helpless and hopeless without God in this present world. I can help myself. Dead people can't help themselves. See, the gospel is not the good news until it's the bad news. The good news follows the bad news. The bad news is, is that you are dead in your sin. There is no hope for you. And the, and the judge has already sentenced you to death. But, but God's grace is extended to us and given because He's rich in mercy. And it is His approach to us, not our approach to Him, that makes salvation possible. Our dilemma, there's only three this morning. I spoke to you about our condition. Our dilemma, I already told you that dead people don't know they're dead. Jesus was explaining the kingdom of God to some and he said, it's like a woman who lost a coin. And she searched her whole house. She swept, she turned the uh, couches upside down. She threw stuff in the yard. She swept and swept and swept till she found it. And there was great joy. And he was explaining this is one facet of what salvation looks like. The coin didn't know it was lost. The coin doesn't know it's lost. You got people in church all their life and lost. And they feel because they're doing good things that God is happy. I remember like yesterday preaching in a Baptist church in Cordell, Georgia. Uh, I believe it was First Baptist there. If there I'm not for certain. It 
you know, after 30 years at all, it was a church. It was a building. And I preached along this, these lines, just simple gospel. And a man, very nicely dressed, very well groomed, about 80 years old, come to me. He said, may I have a moment with you? And I said, yes. He shook my hand. He said, may I sit? I said, sure. Sat on the first, first row. And he said, uh, I'm not saved. I've taught Sunday school for 40 years. I'm not saved. I'm a deacon. But if what you said is true and you read it from the Bible, I'm not saved. Can you save me? And I said, no, sir. The death sentence is on you. And he started to hang his head and I said, but God can. Do you admit and own up to the death that reigns in your body? Has your life proven by its actions and expressions that God is just saying that you are a sinner? He said, absolutely. I said, then pray and tell God that. And I witnessed this 80-year-old man quote scriptures in his prayer that he had never understood until that moment. And he came to faith. Hugged my neck and he goes, thank you, sir. And went home saved. Many, many, not a few, many will say to God in that day, did we not believe? Did we not do many mighty wonderful works in your name? Haven't we cast out devils? Didn't we express spiritual power? Didn't we prophesy in your name? He said, I don't even know who you are. You went through all the religious motions and some of them were found in the Bible, but you were dead in your sins and you worked up your own salvation, which is not a salvation. It's a deception. You have to understand this morning that no one can help you. I can't help you. No one can help you. That's the dilemma. Dead people can't help themselves and other people can't help dead people. No one can help you. No priest, no prophet, no pope, no dead saint, no praying mother. Dead is dead. Only if God gives you life can you come to life. And here's another drawing, a dividing line between religious and saved. Religious people have an air about them and a pride because they are part of their salvation in their efforts, their progression, their sacrifices, their service. So mixed in with their salvation is what a wonderful person they are. And on this side, the saved people, like Jason and Amanda in this pool, said, you don't understand. I was dead, lost, gone, past gone, past feeling. And God, who was rich in his mercy, brought me back to life quickened me and forgave me of my sins. No, I'm nothing to look at. This person, I'm, I've been following the Lord. No, 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 no. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. Nothing. For by grace was I saved through faith. Not of any works, lest I would ever glory in the idea that I might have something to do with bringing me back to life. How absurd. Let me ask you a question. What part did you play in your first birth? What are you talking about? Well, Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So he obviously knew we were physically born, since that was his plan, Adam and Eve, children. He knew we were born once. So what part did you play? 
You know, when your dad met your mom and he winked at her and she rolled her eyes and walked away. And later on, they got married and had you by accident and or by purpose, on purpose. I told Kelly at this point, if we have one, if it's a little girl, I'm going to name her Take. So you could put Miss in front of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm old, man. I'm almost 55. So what part did you play? None. And what part do you play in your second birth? None. Wait a minute, Brother John. Show me your faith and I'll show you my works. Listen, works only prove the new birth. It's nothing I add to the table. I, I believe. How do dead people believe? So picture an open casket. I'm not trying to be morbid. Picture an open casket. You can tempt them with anything you like. You could bring out back cheese fries right out the oven by me. Right by me. Ain't moving. Ain't moving. It has to be a divine work of grace. You don't tell someone the faith that you brought came in the quickening. Well, I repented. I was genuine. I repented. God did not repent for me. I repented. Yes, you did. But you were first convicted. And dead people don't feel. So how were you convicted? Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit that gives you permission to repent. So while you are dead, He gives you the moment to where you can see and feel. And that soul cries out to God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O God. I believe. Now, believe. People say, I believe in God. You know, all the uh, musicians on TV believe in God and, you know, they live like hell. I just want to thank God for all the help he gave me. And God ain't no part of their life. They said, I believe, which means I believe he exists. Well, the devil believes he exists. devil ain't saved. Belief is not a mental assent acknowledging the reality of God. Belief is a firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for my sins. That is belief. And whosoever believeth shall inherit eternal life. So your part that you play can only happen during the quickening process. Dead people can't come to God. And they're in effect absolutely hopeless until someone has the power to bring them back to life. In the physical realm, you hear a lot of stories on television where they'll say, you know, I died, I saw the light, uh, you know, uh, I was being drawn to the light, I was in this intermediate period, and then the next thing I knew, I was in the waiting room. Now, I don't know if all of that is true. I have no reason not to believe because you do transfer, but for the believer... To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord instantaneously. I don't want to approach no light. I want to wake up in the light. That's just me. I ain't talking to Carol Ann and the television. I ain't talking to nobody. <laughs> I ain't talking to none of them. <laughs> Y'all like, you made me forget, laughing at me, you made me forget my place. Okay, so the person has had the heart attack and they're dead. 
flatline. And they bring a power. I don't know what it's called. Somebody help me in the medical field. The fibrillator. I don't know what they set it to, but if I'm dead, set it on high. Here, They set this clear. Why are you telling us clear? Because if you're touching him, you're going to get, wait, wait, it's coming. You're going to get some of this power outside of yourself. And that heart comes back, starts to beat, and they open their eyes. Okay. So the dead man, if his wife paraded in pictures of how good he was, how kind he was, how he provided for the children, there has to be a power outside of him on the frequency of his heart. Only God. So man can jumpstart me physically. Someone can come into your life, a friend or a spouse or a child, and can jumpstart your soul emotionally. I watched my grandma come back to life. I'm just telling you. I'd love to say it was the son-in-law that did it. I just paved the way for the babies to help get here, you know. But I watched her, and we all have, we all have a, a history of loss and suffering and pain. And if there's ever been a good woman in this world... It's her, but there was a, I know she wouldn't mind me sharing for God's glory. There was a, 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 a morose part, like a, it had worn on her. And I watched it change when life outside of her. I walked in on her at our bedroom at 210 Riverdale Drive. She's sitting in that big recliner with Izzy on one shoulder and Olivia on the other. And they're like that big, big as a little brim, you know. And she's rocking them. And I said, Grandma, do you need any help? And she turned to me. And I'm being honest. I'm not exaggerating. I'd never seen this expression before. There was a glow about her. And she said, I'm fine. <laughs> she was rocking. So what happened? Life outside of her reached into her. Life outside of you. Clear. Reached into you, and you can't be saved any other way. Life outside of you. And finally, our election. Ben, if you'd come please this morning. Salvation may be your greatest need, but it is only made possible by God's will. You do not choose. What do you mean? I get to, I get to, no, no, you don't. You may respond, but you don't choose. Let me read this verse to you. John 1. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood. Now, back up. Weren't we born of blood? Yes. Nor of the will of the flesh. Our physical body was born of blood. Our physical body was born of the flesh. But he's talking about these that are born again. It's not a matter of union, husband and wife. It's not a matter of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Pay careful attention. I want to read it through so you get this. It's, I might have muddied it there. These who believe were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. That's their own will or the will of another. But of God. You do not choose him. He chooses you. 
See, Christianity doesn't make you square your shoulders and button your coat and walk proud. It bends you over and you go, why, why would you ever care for me? Why would you ever love me? The world stands and says, what kind of God would send someone to hell? What kind of God would let someone like me into heaven? That's the question. That's the question of today. So I, I don't choose him. After he chooses you, you can. After you're, after you're coming in between, you know, you get the quickening. Your eyes start to open. He said, I choose you. What do you say? It happened to me. July 6, 1986. Second row, north side assembly of God. Aisle seat. The Lord started talking to me and was telling me in my spirit, I love you. I love you. And I said, I don't love you. You hurt me too bad. He said, I love you anyway. And it just broke. I don't remember choosing him. I remember responding. I don't think the pastor gave an altar, sir. I just got up and I went and fell on the altar. About 30 minutes later, I got up and I had been quickened. <laughs> I was like, oh, you go outside. Has anybody seen how green this grass is? Church. Like, when's, y'all open, when's church open again? I ain't been to church twice in 10 years. What time y'all open? Y'all open tomorrow? Y'all, what? I, all of a sudden, like I would visit, you know, sporadically at church and I'd see everybody's hands lifted and crying. I'm like, what's wrong with you? After I got quick and I'm on the second row, <laughs> I could see, I could feel, I knew what God had done for me. And I did not choose the Lord. He chose me. Beats all I've ever seen, but He chose me. Salvation may be your greatest need, but it's only made possible by God's power. John 6, No man can come to me except the Father draw him. I can come to God when I want to. You won't be accepted. Dead people can't walk. So what do you mean the Father draws him? He gave you the physical example in the Bible. Lazarus, three days dead, stinking, decomposing. And Jesus asked him, he said, where'd you lay him? He said, Lord, by now he smells. Move the stone away, move the stone away. Lazarus, get up. And that dead man came back to life. Okay, give me just three, four minutes, I'll be done. I got to describe this to you. So we know his soul was in the lower parts of the earth. What was that? Get up. I got to go. Well, no man can go back. Uh... I I think I can. He come back into his physical body and he come walking out of that place like this. And you know, some of the folks were like, oh. And the one standing close to him, Jesus said, well, untie him. Let him go. And they started to, I would have loved to have been one of the guys to unwrap him, you know, pull a little fast and get him going and just, what is that? You know he didn't pay for no haircuts after that. You know he... It's free, brother. You just eat. Go on. No problem. And he said, right before he raised Lazarus, Jesus declared, there's a day coming 
And now is where the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall come to life. John, how were you saved? He spoke my name and I came to. Are you saved? Have you been born again? There's enough of God's presence and His Word here today. There's no mistaking it. You know if you are not. I said, Brother John, I don't, I don't think I am. I invite you. I believe I have God's permission because He gave me this Word for you today. This is Him calling you by name. And if the Father's drawing you, now watch, here's, here's how you know that you're the person. Jason said it. Jason, where are you? Jason said it this morning. He said, I can't do it. I can't do it. That means he's the candidate. Dead people can't do it. If you can do it, you're not the one. He said, I, I, I can't do it. Lazarus, I know. But dead people can't walk. I know. Come here. Come here. Come here. And he calls you out. So the father drawing you this morning said, come to me. Too many bondages. Too many scars. Too many hangups. Too many sins. Can't do it. John. Susan, Samuel, come forth. It's today. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Brother John, I didn't plan on this today. Most dead people don't. But I believe God is calling my name this morning. And I believe salvation is coming to my house. And I believe... I felt something today that I have never felt or I felt and ignored. And I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I'm coming out of my tomb. If that's you, just slip your hand up and hold it for just a moment. Anyone? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. No one looking around. And hey, those of you that are guests, you will not be embarrassed in this house. I give you my word. But if you brought a friend or a family member today, and maybe they may be wonderful, good, kind, compassionate, faithful, but you know they're not a Christian. I just want you to reach over and touch their hand. That just means I'll go with you if you want to go in a minute. That's all. And if they say no, you leave them be. Every eye opened. If you would like to walk out of your old life and you want others to see, I believe it's happening this morning. And I'm walking towards him for the first time in forever. If that's you, I want you to come. Just come and kneel at this altar. It's already happened in your heart. It's a public testimony. Where are you? Those that raised your hands and want to come. Come on. Come on. God bless you. Come on. Oh, I know there's others. Come on. I know there are. Come on, ma'am. Assault your pride. Come on. Sir, come on. Chris, will you come pray with this young man? Who else? Surely you wouldn't let the opinion of a few around you. You wouldn't let the opinion of a few around you 
stop you from receiving life? Where are you? Come on. This is the part that's so hard for me as a minister. I wonder, did I not tell it clear or did it not? Because there's no way a dead person that hears the word grace could, could realistically say no. If God's speaking to your heart, let this be the day. If not today, when? Your life is a vapor. It appeareth for a moment and vanisheth away. Come on, where are you, sir? Just rise in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Waiting just a moment more. Come on, sir. Where are you, sir? I'm almost done. and I, Those that call this place home, you know I wouldn't just do this to try to get results. But I believe there's someone my age or older, man. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Now is the day of salvation. Now. You can do this journey with God. Where are you, sir? Come on. Where are you, sir? Come on. In Jesus' name. Come on. Where are you, sir? If not today, when? Church family, would you stand with me? My last appeal before we close in prayer for everyone. And one of the ushers, if you would let our children's church know we're about to dismiss. If the Lord is pulling at your heart. I know some of you will say I'm trying to use a scare tactic and I'm not. What if he doesn't pull again? What if he doesn't pull again? I feel such a heaviness in my heart for you, sir. As many as receive God, to them he gives the power to become children of God. One more appeal for you. This altar's open. One more appeal. Come on, sir. Lord, we honor you today. And those of us, and y'all can echo this in your heart, thank you for saving me, oh Lord. Thank you, oh Lord, for your great grace that's upon us. That you foreknew us and elected us according to your mercy and pleasure. We glorify you, O oh God. We are not ashamed or embarrassed of you or our faith or your word. We know our, your spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And you're coming back for us. We believe it, God. And we thank you for it. 
Thank you for it, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Right before you're dismissed, can I tell you a 30-second story? Just 30 seconds. Promise. That's my last closing of the day. Promise. Had a sermon like this, a service like this, I should say, that felt this strong. And I had someone call me in the afternoon. And he said, well, I didn't make it to my car. I said, what do you mean? They said, I was too proud to come to the altar and I got in my car. And before I turned it on, my head hit the steering wheel and just wanted you to know I was born again. So be dismissed in God's pleasure. God bless you.